My name is Kurt McDonald. I'm one of the pastors at Gospel Community Church. I want to talk with you today about the Training Day podcast. That's right, the Training Day podcast. The Training Day podcast exists to continue your learning so that you can be equipped for every good work in every day life. Our hope with the Training Day podcast is to create a resource library for you, your friends, your family, uh, whether you've been a believer for many years, new to the faith, or not a Christian at all. We're hoping that this will be a resource library for you so that you can learn what it looks like to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and land it in everyday life. So we want you to subscribe to our podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us there on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever. You can also find us on our YouTube channel, The Training Day Podcast, or our website, trainingdaypod.com. So please go subscribe and let's grow together in Christ. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. You're listening to the Gospel Community Church Sermons Podcast, where we go through books of the Bible, verse by verse and line by line, to hear the truth that God's Word has to encourage, discipline, and bless us in our daily lives. Uh, And I am honored this morning to bring to you God's holy, inspired, and inerrant Word. May He add His blessing to it. Uh, as many of you know, uh, I was raised in the church. Uh, we went to church when the doors was open. We was there. Anybody else? That's, that's how we did. And, and where I came from and my theological grounding and formation uh, mostly came from uh, the Baptist world. Uh, any Southern Baptists in the house? Whoop, whoop. Okay, four. Great. Um, so uh, that, that was really kind of my theological grounding, my theological formation uh, was, was really in the Baptist world. Uh, but as many of you know, uh, in, in the church universal, the Baptist world is not the only world. There are many different uh, flavors. There's many different uh, church worlds with different experiences, different cultures uh, within the church body. So uh, it, maybe, maybe you have said this before, you've visited another church, and at some point during the service, you say to yourself, well, that's not how we do it in my church, right? Anybody ever been, you, you, you're visiting somewhere, and they do something or say something, and it's just totally different, catches you off guard. Well, growing up where I did and and being formed and shaped how I did, not only did I have one foot in the Baptist world, but as many of you know, if you're church historians, uh, you know that around the 1960s in the United States, there was a massive movement called the Charismatic Movement. Uh, And so during that time, uh, as as I was coming up in in the 80s and 90s, that movement was widespread. And so I found myself with one foot in the Baptist world and one foot in the charismatic world. And let me tell you, those are two very, very different worlds. Let, let me just talk about some of those, uh, some of those differences. So uh, over in the Baptist world, here's what they valued. They valued order. They valued intellect. They valued truth. Uh, they valued neat and tidy theological categories. In contrast, when I found myself in the charismatic world, they valued spontaneity, 
experience. Uh, They did not care for tidy theological categories. They cared for the expression of spiritual gifts, such as prophecy, healing, speaking in tongues. And all of it, again, deeply valued not order and tidiness, but spontaneity. As a matter of fact, I was in uh, a charismatic church one time, and the preacher was preaching. And as he was preaching, he started singing, and the band came up and started playing. And I'm like, is this the sermon or is this worship? I was totally, totally lost. The Baptist world even emphasizes different things than the charismatic world. So the Baptist world said, suffering is a result of sin entering into the world and we should endure suffering because God is sovereign. Is that true? Yes, it is. Okay, I'll help you out. The charismatic world said this, when suffering enters your life, God is getting ready for a victory in your life. Is that true? Yes, could be, but it, so it was just different emphasis, not, not that one was wrong or, or one was right. Now, the Baptist church service, let's just talk about this. The Baptist church service, the way that they expressed themselves in worship was very different than the charismatic world, okay? So in the Baptist church, as worship is playing, there are few acceptable expressions, okay? Uh, here's one acceptable expression. This is fine. Two cl- eyes closed, two hands up. All right. Now, you now if you're really like over the top in the just just one right up in the air. Just just stick one up during the during the song. But at the charismatic worship service, I mean, you better stretch before it gets going. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, they they do flips, they they run around. It's it's just two drastically uh, different different worlds. In addition, in the Baptist church service, the sermon was the main focal point. There would be you know, a few songs, but the sermon was in the middle. The sermon was, had a clear outline, but not so much in the charismatic world. So if you've been to those type services, it's really, again, worship and the expression of gifts. It's not that they didn't have a sermon. They had a sermon, uh, but where it was and kind of how it played out was just very, very different. And in addition, uh, having one foot in this world and one foot in this world, here's what I discovered. They kind of like to criticize each other. The, the Baptist world said that those charismatics have, that they don't have good theology, uh, they, they don't have neat, uh, neat and tidy categories for theology, and all they care about is emotionalism. And over in the charismatic world, what they said about the Baptist world is that they're too uptight. All they care about is intellect, and, and they care nothing about enjoying God. And so on and on, it went as as I grew and was formed theologically. And so the problem was, it seemed like I was being forced to make a choice between being deep in the word of God or being deep in the Holy Spirit. Pick one, right? the, The Baptist camp, deep in the word of God. The charismatic camp, deep in the spirit and the gifts and the expression of those things. And so now you must decide which part you are going to be in. Which world do you want to be in? The, the charismatic world or the Baptist world? Well, church family, let me tell you, it is not an either or, it is a both and. So, so at Gospel Community Church, as we set out eight years ago, as we planted the church, we decided we wanted to be deep in the word of God, amen? We want to be theologically intellectual about what the truths of the Bible has to say to us, and we also want to be open to the working of the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes at Gospel Community Church, we seek to be theologically intellectual and spiritually and emotionally expressive. We want to say yes to theology, amen? 
We love theology. We, we want everybody to, to know deep theology, to study their Bibles, to have their Bibles open, to be looking and going through the text as we go through the text. We want you to study your Bible throughout the week and be, be, uh, ha- have a grasp of uh, systematic theology, biblical theology. In addition, we want to be open to what that theology teaches us about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We want to be open to what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. We want to be open to the working of the Spirit, the prompting of the Spirit. We want to say yes uh, to both. So we are proudly uh, reformed in our soteriology. I'll explain that in a second. We are proudly reformed in our soteriology, and we are proudly charismatic as it concerns the gifts. So uh, when I say reformed, I mean reformed in our soteriology, meaning we adhere to the five solas of the Reformation, that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Anybody amen? We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, revealed to us in the word of God alone, for the glory of God alone. So, so we are proudly reformed, right? And we are proudly charismatic. Now, you might say, uh, Pastor Kirk, I don't know if you know this, but uh, there is a long list of crazy TV preachers uh, that you know, try to get you to send them money so they can buy another jet, uh, and they call themselves charismatics. And so maybe we shouldn't call or associate ourselves with them. Well, let me just say this. There are crazy people in everybody's family, uh, and we need not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, as, as a matter of fact, the reason that we can say proudly that we do consider ourselves charismatic as it concerns the gifts is it's a word in the Bible, okay? So what we're going to be looking at today, uh, just, just look at the beginning of the text. He says this, now concerning spiritual gifts, that word translated is charisma. Spiritual gifts is the word charisma. Now, if, if you look at it when uh, it says spiritual gifts, that is the plural form, which is charismata or charismatic. So it's a word in the Bible, and we're not going to throw it out just because crazy TV preachers abuse it, okay? So uh, we are, again, proudly reformed, proudly charismatic. Now, here is what I have in before me today. I have a long list of spiritual gifts. Uh, I am going to do my best to explain them as much as I can in one sermon, uh, and I have my work cut out for me. But if you, if you only hear me say one thing today and you totally black out from here on out, that's fine. But here's what I want you to see. I want you to go ahead and flip over to chapter 14 and look at verse 1, because that's where the culmination of this whole thing is going. This is uh, Paul's big idea, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So no matter what background you're coming from, no matter if if you're coming from a more conservative background, a more charismatic background, this is a call and a command to everyone. This is a call and a command to every believer everywhere. We are to desire earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So you're like, man, that speaking in tongues thing kind of freaks me out, man. Well, calm down. The call here is to desire spiritual gifts. I don't know about that prophecy thing, people laying hands on people and prophesying. I'm not into that. Calm down. The Bible is calling you to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. That's what the Bible is saying. And so that's what we are going to say as well. Amen. Amen, amen. Okay, so now here's what we're going to do. We are diving right in. Go ahead and get your Bibles out. I want you to get your eyes on this text and go through it with me so you can make sure I'm not making it up as I go. Here's what he says. Now, concerning 
spiritual gifts. If you've been going with us through this series, you know that in this section of text, we began chapter 11. Chapter 11, 12, 13, and 14 make up a new unit in the book of Corinthians. He is discussing with them uh, the way that they should be in the church service. He is discussing with them proper attitudes, uh, the order of how the service should go. He's explaining how to do church, mainly the church gathering. That's what he's doing. And so what's happening here is he's addressing specifically how they operate and how they use spiritual gifts within the church service. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts or, again, charismata. Now, let's define spiritual gifts just to get us all on the same page. Here we go. A spiritual gift is God himself at work in us to bless others. It's God at work in us to bless others. Now, I'm getting that definition from this very text. Just look at verse 6 in this section of text. And there are varieties of gifts, but it is the same God who empowers. God empowers spiritual gifts. So any spiritual gift that you have is empowered by God. That's why I'm saying that a spiritual gift is God himself at work in you. But it's not just God working in you, it's God working in you to a specific end or to a specific means, i.e. to bless other people, and I'm getting that from verse 7. Look at verse 7, it says, "To uh, each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, i.e. to bless other people. So so it is God working in you to be a blessing to other people. So so what's the deal with the speaking in tongues thing? What's the deal with the prophecy thing? What's the deal with the healing thing? All of those gifts, all of those miraculous gifts are to be used not to build yourself up, not to make yourself look important in the congregation, but rather it is to be a blessing to other people. That's That's what a spiritual gift is. Sam Storms, Dr. Sam Storms, defines spiritual gifts this way. He says, A spiritual gift is a divinely energized potential to minister to the body of Christ by communicating the love and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I like that. Uh, Just as a side note, if you do want to do a deep dive on spiritual gifts and, and like, I mean, just go all the way, read anything by Sam Storms. He's incredibly helpful. Now, he says this, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Verse 2. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. He, he opens up by reminding them that they used to be pagans. <laughs> now, why would he remind them that they used to be pagans? Well, he wants to remind them that they used to be, meaning they are not anymore. So this church was, was greatly intent on taking the things of the culture, pride, selfishness, um, uh, individualism, all that stuff from the culture and bringing it into the church. And he's saying, no, 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 you're not pagans anymore. As a matter of fact, here's how you can know that you are of God, or here's how you can know that you are a Christian. You can know you're a Christian if you say Jesus is Lord. Now, it's, it, okay, so to say Jesus is Lord, you could, you could, you know, hand anybody a $5 bill, just say, hey, man, say Jesus is Lord, you know, oh, oh, he said it, he said, what, when he says, 
to say Jesus is Lord, he means to live as such, to live like Jesus is your king, to live like Jesus is in charge. Jesus is in charge of my marriage. Jesus is in charge of my children. Jesus is in charge of my finance. Whatever I'm gonna do in my life, Jesus is in charge because Jesus is Lord. And the only way that you can say that is if the Holy Spirit has done a miraculous work in your life. And so if you're here this morning and you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit has intervened in your life. The Holy Spirit has taken you off the road of destruction and put you on a road of blessing. The Holy Spirit has come and taken the scales off of your eyes. The Holy Spirit has come and taken a heart of stone and turned it into a heart of flesh. The Holy Spirit has come and empowered you with gifts to bless other people. So he says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. For you note takers, all true and genuine use of the spiritual gifts will show that Jesus is king and we are not seeking to take his place. So we can never leverage our spiritual gifts to elevate ourselves above King Jesus. All spiritual gifts, any spiritual gifts that you use should be under the lordship of King Jesus and should be elevating his name and not your own. Okay, we gotta move. Here he says, verse four through six. Now, there are a variety of gifts but the same spirit. And there is a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there's a variety of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Did you see the beautiful unfolding of the Trinitarian Godhead in that passage? Did you see all three of them? Did, uh, you might've missed it. Now, there's a variety of gifts, but the same who? Spirit. And there's a variety of service, but the same Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a variety of activities, but the same God. Again, the beautiful unfolding of the Holy Spirit, or of the Trinity, including the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and God the Son, showing the unification, how united they are, and showing that it is that one united God who is bestowing gifts on us. So gifts should never divide us, but they should unite us. Meaning this, a couple of thoughts on that. First, it means this, I should never urge people to do what I do unless they have been given that gift from the Lord. So sometimes when we, when we get blessed spiritually, we get a spiritual gift, well, we think everybody ought to do that. I mean, what, you, wait, you don't wake up in the morning and, and sing praise and worship music for an hour? That's what I do. I know people who do that. They, they wake up, and, but that is their, music is their spiritual gifting. And they're looking at you, people who don't really care that much about music and going, why don't you do that? Well, because they're not gifted that way. I mean, just imagine if I, hey, you know, I preach. That's what I do. I don't, I don't understand why y'all don't preach. I mean, it's one of the most amazing things. I never feel closer to Jesus than when I'm in the pulpit, and I wish y'all could feel that way. But just imagine if everybody preached. <laughs> that would be very confusing, right? So, so I think first this verse means, this section of text means that I should not urge people to do what I do unless they've been given that particular gift. Two, I should not think myself better or more spiritual because I have that particular gift. Again, this is, this is my criticism of uh, my, my charismatic brothers and sisters is that they elevate those gifts, particular uh, speaking in tongues and prophecy as, as the be all end all of gifts. And if you have, oh man, you, you are praised, everybody loves you. I mean, you, you just seen as the most spiritual because you have those gifts and the people who have the gift of service the gift of help, the gift of administration, they're looked down upon because they don't have the, the more uh, charismatic or miraculous 
uh, gifts. But what he's saying here, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord united together. Thirdly, I think this means I should not envy others for their gifts that God has given them. So, so you, might, you might be, well, I don't, you know, I don't play an instrument. I can't be up there. I don't, I don't preach this. I can't preach. I mean, it, it, people would be bored to tears. You know, I, I, I'm not really nice to people, so I wouldn't do good in guest services. I mean, I don't know where I fit in, man. Well, listen, God has given you a gift. Don't envy other people's gifts, but just explore and figure out the gifts that God has given you and seek to use those. If you're taking notes, there must be no division among Christians on the basis of spiritual gifts because the one united Trinitarian Godhead is the one who supplies the diversity of gifts. Amen? Okay, we're moving quick. Verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So church family, it's not just the super spiritual that get spiritual gifts. It's not just the pastor, it's not just the paid staff, it's not just the elders, it's not just the deacons. To every believer, if you're here this morning and you are a believer, God has given you a gift to bless other people. Isn't that exciting? To know that the the God of the universe is at work in your life, giving you spiritual gifts to help other people, to be a blessing to other people. This is incredible. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And so it's not just the paid ministers, it's not just the band, it's not just the preacher, the pastor, the elders, the deacons. It is every believer everywhere is given spiritual gifts to bless other people. If you're taking notes, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit has given you a spiritual gift to be used as a blessing for other people. Okay, now, the reason that we went so quickly through verses 1 through 7 is because beginning in verse eight, he is going to list nine spiritual gifts. And I gotta get through all nine, uh, and I'm probably gonna go over time. Just gonna let y'all know, get comfortable. Amen, somebody. Now, um, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna take each of these gifts in turn, okay, and and describe what they are uh, and give a definition for them. Again, because there is so much confusion around the spiritual gifts uh, some people get freaked out about them. Uh, some people don't even think that these gifts are for today. Uh, I have several, several sermons coming up. Again, if you understand the flow of this section of text, um, he's going to continue to talk about spiritual gifts. In verse 13, he, uh, in chapter 13, he's going to talk about love. That's the love chapter. But then in, in verse, uh, 14, uh, verse 14, or chapter 14, he is going to unpack speaking in tongues, prophecy, and specifically how that looks within the church service. So I hope y'all like sermons on spiritual gifts because we got a bunch coming. I do not, I'm not gonna attempt to cover everything today because I have several more sermons coming where we will be talking about spiritual gifts, but my task is to lead us through this list of nine spiritual gifts, explain what they are, and hopefully help us understand a little bit more about spiritual gifts. Can we do that, church family? Okay, look at verse eight. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. So two spiritual gifts are in view here. The first is the utterance of wisdom. The second is the utterance of knowledge. What in the world is the utterance of wisdom? (laughs) Well, let's talk about that, okay? Um, So, What I've done for each one of these spiritual gifts is uh, I've given a simple definition, and then I will back up 
uh, why I'm giving that definition. So here we go. The utterance of wisdom is the spiritual power when preaching the gospel. The utterance of wisdom is spiritual power, it's a gift from the Holy Spirit, to, to proclaim and preach the gospel. Now, where am I getting that from? I have to prove that to you. Go back to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 6 and 7. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Yet among the mature, we do impart, what do they impart? Wisdom. That's our word, the utterance of wisdom. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which was decreed before the ages for our glory. What was the wisdom that was decreed before the ages for our glory? That Jesus Christ would come, that Jesus Christ would live the life that we should have lived and die the death that we should have died in our place for our sins so that we might be saved. And so the utterance of wisdom is to proclaim the gospel with power. There are, there are people, particular people, that when you hear them articulate the gospel, it stirs something in your soul, amen? It, they have that particular gift as they talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, his offer of faith and salvation to us through his cross. You, you just, man, you feel pumped up and you go, yes, that. And so what is that? Because some people, to tell you the same gospel using the same words, and yet it doesn't fire you up as much. What, what's the deal with that? It's because that person has the utterance of wisdom. The Holy Spirit has come and empowered this gift in their life so they can powerfully proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, back to, back to 12. <clears throat> For one is given the utterance of wisdom and to another the utterance of knowledge. Okay, so you could easily say, well, those, those are the same things, but I don't think so. I don't think they are the same things. I think they're different things. The utterance of wisdom being the power uh, to proclaim the gospel in a powerful way. But then we have this, this other gift, which is the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. Again, the reason that I don't think this is the same gift is because he, he's saying we, there's a variety of different gifts, all given by the one spirit. And so if he's talking about a variety of different gifts, why would he put the same gift in a list and just say it a different way? This is obviously a different gift. Here it is. An utterance of knowledge is when God discloses information that could not be obtained by natural means. An utterance of knowledge is when God drops some knowledge on you in your spirit in such a way that you would have no natural means to have that information. Okay, let me just show that to you uh, from Scripture. I'm going to Acts uh, chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 12. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming to lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. That is... The utterance of knowledge. God spoke to him. Hey, Ananias, go over there. He also spoke to Paul and said, hey, Paul, there's a man coming. And so that they would not be able to have that information unless God supernaturally, through his Holy Spirit, gave him 
that knowledge. I'll just show it to you one more time in the book of Acts. I'm going to Acts chapter 14. I'm going to read 8 through 10. Acts chapter 14, verses 8 through 10. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking and Paul looking intently at him and seeing, listen to this, seeing that he had the faith to be made well, he said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. How do you see that somebody has faith to be healed? (laughs) Well, you can't see that somebody has faith to be healed. God gave him an utterance of knowledge so that he would know that that dude had faith to be healed. I was, uh, there's, a, there's a very interesting story. Uh, I don't know if you guys know who Charles Haddon Spurgeon is. He's a, a very famous English preacher. And in his autobiography, he tells a story. He's, he's in the pulpit and he's preaching. And, and in the middle of his sermon, God spoke to him. And he stopped in the middle of his sermon, pointed out a dude on the front row and said, sir, the gloves you are wearing, you have stole them. You need to repent. And then he just continued on in a sermon. And guess what? The guy stole the gloves. And he came to Charles Haddon Spurgeon after the sermon was over. He laid the gloves on the front of the stage. He repented and got saved, right? So that is, that is an utterance uh, of knowledge. That is an utterance uh, of knowledge. Okay, look at, look at where we are so far. Uh, for one is given through the same spirit an utterance of wisdom. Okay, we talked about that. Utterance of knowledge. Look at verse 9. And to another, faith by the same spirit. Faith. Okay, we're talking about a variety of different gifts. So can this be, or or is this most likely, the faith that comes when we receive salvation? No, I don't think so. Let me tell you why I don't think it is that. I don't think it's that because he's talking to a congregation, uh, again, about a variety of different gifts and they, if they're Christians, they all have the gift of saving faith. So this is a different type of faith. What type of faith is this then? It's this. The gift of faith is a supernatural conviction that God is going to do a particular thing. It's a supernatural conviction. It's when you get that sense deep down in your heart that God is going to make this happen. God's going to do this. When I, when I stood on stage and said, I believe God is calling me to plant gospel community church, the Holy Spirit empowered many of you with the gift of faith, and you said along with me, God's going to do this, and it happened. That's that type of gift. This, this happened to Chelsea and I. Uh, we, we received this supernatural gift many years ago. We had a very close family friend. Um, it was a married couple very close to us. They'd been trying for years to have a child, and they couldn't, and they were very heartbroken over this. She went to the doctor, and the doctors explained to her uh, that she would never be able to have biological children. But Chelsea and I felt deep within our hearts that God was going to work a mighty miracle. We just believed we had this gift of faith. And so we went to the store, and we bought a baby blanket, and we wrapped it up, and we took it to them, and we gave it to them. And we laid hands on them and prayed for them and said, we believe God is going to do this. We believe God's going to work a miracle. And today they have two beautiful little girls. Okay. To another, faith by the same spirit. So that's the gift of faith. Fourthly, are y'all with me this morning? Okay. To another, the gift of healing 
by the Spirit. This one's pretty straightforward. The gift of healing is the supernatural power of God to fix an ailment in the human body. This was clearly seen in the ministry of Jesus, right? Tons of people were healed. This was clearly seen in the ministry of the apostles as the apostles healed in the name of of Jesus. Now, let me make a quick caveat on this gift, uh, and, and here it is. Most Bible scholars, and I agree with them, that some gifts are permanent and some are temporal. Let me explain that. Some gifts are permanent and some gifts are temporal, meaning if you are gifted with the gift of preaching and teaching, usually that's a gift that it just stays with you. It it stays on you, stays with you. You can employ that gift whenever you need to. So I employ the gift of preaching and teaching every Sunday. I don't don't have to stand over here and wait and say, come on, Holy Spirit. I, I mean, I do depend on the Holy Spirit. Don't get me wrong. But there's a difference between a permanent gift and a temporal gift. I believe what is being communicated to us in this text is that the gift of healing is a temporal gift. Look at, look at how it's, it's worded. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts, that is plural, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Okay, so listen to uh, the way one commentator talks about this particular gift, uh, and I quote, he says this, every healing is a special gift in this way. The spiritually gifted individual stands always in new dependence upon the divine giver. Now, let me just make my point here. Paul clearly had the gifts of healing. Did he not? The apostle Paul, he healed people. There's, there's tons of, a dude fell out of a window and died, and Paul went over and just picked him back up. But what about Timothy? Timothy was frequently sick and had all kinds of ailments. If Paul could employ the gift of healing whenever he wanted, why didn't he heal Timothy? So this particular gift is temporal and comes on you for a specific moment in a, in a specific time. So to, to uh, let me just say this as a side note. So probably to fill an auditorium with people who are sick because you believe that you have the gift of healing and going around and, and like saying that you can heal them is probably not how this gift is employed. I need to move on before I say something I shouldn't. Verse 10, to another, the working of miracles. Again, we're talking, you, you could say, well, he just said the gift of healing and now he's talking about the gift of miracles. Isn't healing a miracle? And is it a, a miracle, a healing, right? So, so what's the deal? What's the difference here? Well, again, I think we're talking about a variety of gifts and not the same gifts. So working of miracles is the supernatural power to do the supernatural. Uh, so Jesus in the boat calms the storm, right? That's pretty miraculous. Jesus feeds the 5,000. That's pretty miraculous. The apostles were casting out demons, I mean, that's supernatural power to do something supernatural, amen? So, so that's why it is different or distinguished from, uh, from healing. Verse 10, to another, the work of miracles, and to another, prophecy. Okay, let me slow down here just for a moment because uh, we, we're going to start getting into uh, the kind of more what we, we would consider miraculous gifts. So the gift of prophecy the gift of tongues, the gift of healing, and the interpretation of tongues. So let's talk about prophecy just for a moment. Here it is. Prophecy is speaking to God's people under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, so let me demystify the gift of prophecy as much as I can. It is speaking to God's people under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Prophecy is not necessarily predicting the future. Okay, it's not necessarily predicting the future. Some prophecy in the Bible does talk about future events, but prophecy is not primarily saying to God's people through the Spirit, this is what's going to happen, or Jesus is going to return in, you know, 20, we, th- we thought Jesus would return in 2020, amen? Lord knows I did. Um, but, but so prophecy is, is not necessarily predicting the future. It is being inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and gives you uh, what, what they call in the charismatic church, a word. You get a word, right? Amen. You know about that. Um, so, so that's, that's what it, that's what it means. A couple of thoughts on this. First, the concept of prophecy is coming from the Old Testament. That, that's where we're getting this idea in the New Testament is from the Old Testament. So how does prophecy work in the Old Testament? God comes to a particular prophet. He gives that prophet a message. You need to go to my people and you need to say this. And that prophet goes and he does that. That's prophecy. That's where the idea is coming from. So in the same way, God speaks to his people today, amen. We believe that as good reformed charismatics. We believe that God speaks to us. We we believe that the Bible is the infallible word of God, amen, and that he is speaking to us through his word. But we also believe that God speaks to us at particular times for particular reasons outside outside of the word, okay? Which means this, number two, today, because the canon is closed, all prophetic words from God should fall under the authority of Scripture. So if you think that God is, is speaking to you, saying something to you, does Scripture back it up? Is it outside of Scripture? Well, then it ain't prophecy then. That ain't the, that ain't the Holy Spirit speaking to you, son. You need to you know, like fix them ears because you ain't got them dialed in right to, to be listening to the Holy Spirit. So nobody can come and prophesy or say that they, God has spoken to them and it be outside of his word. That, that, that's not consistent with who God is. So my first thought on prophecy was that prophecy is coming from the idea of the Old Testament. Second, it has to be under the authority of God. And third, we need to be discerning, not skeptical. Now, I'm saying this to myself, okay? Uh, because usually when somebody says, I- I've heard from God, God spoke to me, I think probably not. That's my skeptical nature. I'm being honest. I'm the pastor. I can't lie in church, right? So, so that, is, that is my skeptical nature. But we want to be, again, as a church, proudly open to what the Holy Spirit can do and what the Holy Spirit can say. And, and so the, listen, to, listen to how he says it in 1 Corinthians 14, 29. 1 Corinthians 14, 29, he says this, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. So we need to be discerning, not skeptical. The, the truth is, um, I, I, I get to enjoy the gift of prophecy. It happens to me sometimes when I preach. Not every time when I preach. But I stick very, very close to my notes. It's just, it's a habit of mine. I believe that God is honored in preparation. And so I spend a lot of time preparing my notes and I stick very close to them as I preach to you because I believe God is honored in preparation. But there'll be some times when I am preaching to where it will feel like the, the Holy Spirit is tapping on my soul. And I start to receive a word and I start speaking directly to someone. I don't know who it is, but I, and I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll just say it. I've got a word for somebody today and I'll start saying something that's totally outside of my notes and I'm hearing myself and I'm going, man, that's good. Preach, son. Um, and, and so in that, in that moment, in that moment, I know that that is a word of prophecy that's being spoken to God's people, right? That, that's how that, that gift is. That doesn't happen all the time, but that is how 
uh, that gift is exercised in my life. Okay, moving on from prophecy to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. Is this interesting at all to y'all? Are y'all enjoying this? Okay, here we go. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. Listen to this. The ability to distinguish between spirits is when God gives you the knowledge that something is from him or not. Meaning, we just, we just read that section in uh, chapter 14, verse 29, to where it says, when somebody gives a prophecy, you need to, you need to weigh that, be discerning. It, if you're saying that's a word from God, I want to I listen to you say it, and I want to think on it. I want to see if it squares with Scripture. I want to see if I get a, what we call a check in your spirit. You ever got a check in your spirit? That, that's what that is. It's the ability to understand whether that is from God or not from God. And it's not just prophetic words. Listen, it can also be places. Let me tell you my experience with this gift. I went to go see a Christian rock band, okay? I'm at the concert. That band gets done, and all of a sudden, I got a check in my spirit. Something felt very, very wrong. it, It was one of those things to where, like, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. And this was a Christian band, but it was not a Christian venue. The very next band that came out were wearing pentagrams and basically constructed an altar to Satan on the stage during their set. That check in my, and I didn't know that band was coming out. It just, the one band finished and I'm, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden it was like, ooh, ooh, whoa, we need to, uh, where's the e- exit door? Very good. It, it was that, that was the, a discerning of spirits. It was a check uh, in, in my spirit. Okay, the distinguishing between spirits. Man, we are almost done. Can y'all believe this? We're going to do it today with the help of Jesus. Here we go. To another, various kinds of tongues. Oh, this is the one y'all want to hear me talk about, speaking in tongues. Here we go. All right. Uh, Sorry, we're all out of time. I'm going to pray. We're going to be done. Dear G. Okay, no, I'm kidding. So various kinds of tongues. Here it is. Speaking in tongues is prayer or praise spoken in syllables not understood by the speaker. Now, what I'm going to argue over the next several weeks is that there are different types of tongue gifts. When you look in uh, Acts chapter 2, where you see uh, them, them speaking and preaching and the multitude of the congregation is hearing them in their own dialect, that is one form of the gift. But there is another form of the gift, and that's what he's talking about here. Again, speaking in tongues is prayer or praise spoken in syllables not understood by the speaker. Three thoughts on this. First, chapter 14 makes it clear that speaking in tongues is not an out-of-control experience, okay? Again, sometimes in the charismatic world, they, they will kind of present this gift as something that takes over you and you cannot control it. It's, it, it, it. It takes you and you are not responsible for what's happening. Well, the Apostle Paul is instructing the Corinthians to, to use this gift in an orderly way, meaning they have control of how, of how to use it. Here's what was happening in the Corinthian church. The people that had this gift, they were standing up at will, at random, and they were all speaking in tongues at once. It was, it was total chaos. You couldn't hear anything. Nobody was being uplifted because nobody was interpreting the tongues to figure out what. So people are just standing up, speaking in syllables that nobody understands, and it was a total mess. And so Paul is writing them to get this gift in order, okay? So first, 
makes it clear that speaking in tongues is not an out-of-control experience. Second thought on speaking in tongues. It is speech essentially unintelligible both to the speaker and to the hearer. Let me prove that to you from chapter 14. Let's look at verses 14 through 16. Chapter 14 in 1 Corinthians, uh, verses 14 through 16. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Why would his mind be unfruitful? Because it's unintelligible. It's syllables that do not form a, any particular language. My mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit. I'm not going to stop speaking in tongues just because my mind is unfruitful. I am going to pray in the spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. So though it is unintelligible speak, uh, he says, I'm also going to pray with, with words as well, okay? So it is speech that is essentially unintelligible to the speaker and to the hearer. Third thought on speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues is directed toward God, okay? Speaking in tongues is directed toward God. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit, okay? Now, you'll notice, let me just say this as a sidebar, you'll notice uh, that at Gospel Community Church, uh, in all of our eight years, we have never had someone on the microphone speaking in tongues. We don't practice this gift that way at our church, but we do practice the gift of tongues. We practice the gift of tongues all the time here. I don't know if you know that or not. We have people who have this gift, and as the band is playing, they are speaking to God in their prayer language. They're, they are speaking in tongues. Now, again, we don't bring them on stage to, to speak in tongues on the microphone, and I'll explain why. Again, when we get into chapter 14, I'll explain why that is our conviction. But we do encourage the people who have the gift of tongues to use the gift of tongues in this way, to speak to God, not to the congregation. Now, there's a thousand things I'm leaving unsaid about speaking in tongues. Again, please remember, we have several more uh, sermons coming uh, on the gift of tongues and, uh, and prophecy, and we'll be saying a whole lot more. Last gift here, to, we, we did it. Last gift, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. Here it is. The interpretation of tongues is to articulate for the benefit of the community what the tongue speaker has said. Again, growing up in the charismatic world, I saw this gift abused all the time. It was not done in order. It was not done properly. Somebody would stand up and speak in tongues. There would be no interpretation. They would sit down. Somebody else would stand up and do the same thing, and there was no interpretation. That is not the biblical way to use this gift. The interpretation of tongues is the gift that when you hear someone speak in tongues, you're able to communicate for the benefit of the body. Again, because remember, every spiritual gift is to be used to bless the body, amen? So if you stand up and speak in tongues, we don't understand what you're saying. How then are we blessed? How then does it lift up the congregation? It doesn't lift up the congregation because nobody knows what you said. So there must be someone there to interpret so that the body is blessed, okay? Verse 11, and I'm out of your hair. All things are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Here's what is so interesting about this section of text. This group of people 
has abused and been abusing spiritual gifts. That's what's happening in Corinth. They're abusing spiritual gifts. Paul's answer to the abuse of spiritual gifts is not to get rid of them. This is where some of my Baptist brothers and sisters and people more in the Reformed camp, I think, go wrong. They say people abuse spiritual gifts. We have to get rid of them. They're not for today. But when they're abusing spiritual gifts in Corinth, Paul's answer is not to get rid of spiritual gifts. It's to use spiritual gifts in the proper way. And so at Gospel Community Church, again, we are proudly reformed in our soteriology and we are proudly charismatic in our view of the gifts and our desire is to use the gifts in their proper way. Again, how do we apply such a text? I'm going to apply it very quickly by just again reading verse one from chapter 14. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Church, family, let us together over the next several weeks as we study spiritual gifts, talk about spiritual gifts, exercise spiritual gifts, let us prayerfully and earnestly desire them all the more, amen? I want to see a mighty working of the Holy Spirit in Gospel Community Church, amen? I want to see the Holy Spirit working in you to bless other people. I want people beyond blessed at Gospel Community Church because the Holy Spirit has welled up in you and empowered you to love and serve and give and prophesy and pray and love everybody around you, amen? Don't you wanna see that mighty work? That Jesus wants to see that mighty work of the Holy Spirit in Gospel Community Church. You want to know how I know Jesus wants to see the mighty work of the Holy Spirit at Gospel Community Church? Because Jesus died for it. He died so that you could be filled with the Holy Spirit and so that you could exercise spiritual gifts. He went to the cross and shed his blood so that you could be cleansed. Because if you're not cleansed, the Holy Spirit cannot indwell you. But because his blood was shed for you, you can be cleansed. And now that you are cleansed, you can be filled. And when you're filled, you can exercise spiritual gifts. Amen. 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 May it be so at Gospel Community Church. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your death on the cross, which secures uh, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which comes to empower us with gifts. Lord, I pray that Gospel Community Church would earnestly desire the gifts. Lord, let us not be afraid of the gifts, weirded out by the gifts, shy away from the gifts. But Lord, let us look to your word, which teaches us about the gifts and teaches us how to use them properly and in order, and let us do so gladly. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done in us. Lord, I pray now, I pray right now that you would send your Holy Spirit all over this room to fill us, the people watching at home. Fill them, Lord, now with the Holy Spirit. Give us more gifts, not so that we would lift ourselves up, O Lord, but so that we would be a blessing and serving type of people to others in Gospel Community Church. May it be so. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share the contents of this podcast, but please do not alter it in any way without permission. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook or iTunes. Visit gospelcc.com for more content like this. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. Thanks again and have a blessed day.